Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have on today's call Keith Parhek, who is the founder of DelphiNet, the co-founder of Segmetrics, and the co-founder of Summit Evergreen. Uh, three different kind of projects, three different companies that we're going to talk about today. Uh, so, Keith, thank you so much for being on the call with us. Thanks so much for having me, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into, uh, and, and I'm sure you have some other stuff going on too. It's, it sounds like uh, just judging from looking at uh, your portfolio. Before <laughs> we dive into that stuff, tell us a little bit about how you got into. I guess I'm, I'm really curious about the, you know, how you got into this online marketing space, this internet, you know, online business space, and and kind of what led you to both, you know, Segmetrics, Summit Evergreen, and DelphiNet. Yeah. Well, they all kind of grew out of each other. So for people who don't know, I've I've lived here in Japan for about 13 years now, and I was originally trained as developer and designer. So that's what I majored in is develop is um, programming and then visual design. And I've always had an eye and an interest in marketing. So I worked here for a startup for about six years. And when we got acquired, I decided, hey, I'm doing everything at the company anyways. I was building the products. I was coming up with marketing plans. I was doing everything except for the 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 one-on-one sales. So I was like, well, why don't I try it on my, by myself? Like, why don't I go out and try it on my own? So I got my first client. Then I got my second client and started working with them. And so actually my first client was uh, Ramit Sethi at I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And you could not ask for a better first client because not only was it being thrown headfirst into the whole marketing world, but this was also when he was really just starting to grow. So we got to learn or I got to learn so much about how to market this stuff, what the marketing world is like, and then also run it essentially breakneck speed for five years. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say pretty, pretty impressive first client. What do you, what did you do for him in the beginning? I'm sorry to take us off track, but I'm really, curious. no, no, no. It's well, it, it informs the, the rest of what, what we'll be talking about, but the, it's interesting because I got hired originally as a front end designer. So the idea was that he needed a lot of split test, split tests done with welcome pages with uh, opt-in forms, with that kind of stuff, and he needed them done very quickly. So I started doing that. Um, a couple, I believe it was like maybe a month later, a couple weeks later, we wanted to do a webinar. So we started doing webinar technology, and then we started building out contest technology, and start, we started building automation technology for his sales funnels. And it was essentially, he, he was a bootstrapped um, marketer, and I was really the first person, maybe not the first, but one, I came in at a point where he had a lot of shoestrings, just everything tied together with shoestrings. And so we came in and we started building systems, automated systems, and just good funnels to turn his marketing into more of a machine than a, someone goes in and uh, fixes this every, every day or every week. Right. Um, so that's really where that came in. So I learned a lot about 
not just what the world, what the marketing world is like, but also the strategies. And we came up with strategies together and that kind of stuff. So, wow, that's uh, wow, incredible. And how did you find him, or he found you? So actually, we have a mutual friend, Patrick McKenzie. So, so Patrick is pretty famous in the online startup world, um, and he's been living. He used to live next door to me uh, for about eight years, ten years, something like that. And I told Patrick had been trying to get me to quit my job forever. And when I did, he's like, hey, uh, this guy, Ramit, is looking for someone. I was like, I have no idea who this is, but he looks awesome. And that's how it got started. That's awesome. So you did that. Then then what came next? And, and I guess what you said you were doing that for a few years or, or how did that work out? Yeah, we did that until January of 2015. I think wow. February was technically our last month, but we did that for a, for a long time. Um, and during that, we really just built up the company. So we had other people come to us, we got referrals, we got introductions and just more and more people wanted to build out the, build out technology for their marketing funnels and wanted to understand how marketing funnels work because it, it's, there's this huge push right now to go from this launch model, which is like, we have one big launch a year. It, it drains everyone of their energy for three months. No one wants to move after that kind of thing to these evergreen systems that you essentially throw uh, paid traffic at them and they start turning into money. And so that's what we've really started to specialize in recently is how do you take your launch content? How do you take that Jeff Walker product launch formula that you've been using for the last three years, five years, and turn that into something where you send in a lead and it makes you money? So it's completely turnkey. Magic. It is. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so then you started DelphiNet. Is that was the next yep. progression after this? And that was what so that's pretty recent then? Like in the next last year or what? No, DelphiNet was five years ago. So that was the company that I started when I when I when I left my old company and started the freelancing. Gotcha. Um, just for because I had a lot of Japanese companies and Japanese companies do not do business with individuals. Um, so I had to set up a Jap a official Japanese company, get a bank account, all that fun stuff. Interesting. Um, so we're actually like, uh, it would be equivalent to a C corp in America. Gotcha. And okay. So then you rock and roll with that. When did Segmetrics come along? So Segmetrics is actually really, really recent. So the first thing we did, so it's interesting because both Summit Evergreen and Segmetrics mm -hmm. are products for our clients. They come about from problems that we were having, that our clients were having. Uh, Summit Evergreen is online courseware. So people were like, all we have is Wishlist Member, all we have is Kajabi. We don't like, like the features that they support. We want something for, for our clients. And we kept building out the software over and over again. And so we're like, okay, let's turn this into a SaaS. And Segmetrics came about in the same way. So my co-founder talked to me, what was that, last January? And he said, so just a little background, Segmetrics is a tool for people who use Infusionsoft to get better reporting out of it. Because for some reason in Infusionsoft, it's difficult to even get like the amount of revenue that you make on a product, let alone how many people from Facebook actually generate revenue and all that fun stuff you need to understand how your business works, right? Yeah. And you can do it in Infusionsoft, but you have to export all these tables and put them all into Excel and do pivot lookups and all this stuff. And it, it takes five to 10 hours every time you do a report. Yep. And my co-founder, he and I had worked together on a number of clients and he's an analytics guy. And he said, Keith, 
if I have to do one more export and pivot table, I'm going to pull out the rest of my hair. Right. So, so um, we got together. We saw what we could do with that, and we we pulled that together to a SaaS, and it's been it's been taking off. Um, apparently, a lot of people were clamoring for this, so it's more than just like, oh, we just need it because we're analytics nerds, mm-hmm. and more of really everyone wants this because they want to be able to understand where their money is coming from and if things are making money. Yeah, it's uh, pretty darn important. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's right? Funny. Like, who would have thought? Well, it's funny. I feel like this is like uh, we we were talking offline before this call, and we were talking about project management software. And I feel like the another another so project management software is one of the the, the tougher, uh, I guess, cookie one of the tougher challenges to crack, like to find the perfect project project management yeah. software. Um, and I don't want to go into that just yet. But but the other thing for me was also just like dashboards to see, mm-hmm. like I know I'm making money. And I, I don't know how much though, and I don't know how well. And so it's really tough because I don't really have a dashboard view of like what I'm doing. And I've attempted a couple different things. The unfortunate part is I'm not using Infusionsoft. So your your software won't work for me. But I'm like, that's one of like my struggles right now. I'm like looking just for good software that can show me at a glance, how is my business doing? Um, right. It's just funny what a challenge that is. You would think more like that would come kind of like Infusionsoft. I would assume that they would have had that to begin with as part of their platform, but that's a pretty crazy and what a great opportunity to uh, to capitalize on yeah and it's interesting because most companies and i actually saw this with my own product summit evergreen we had original plans of putting in all these analytic tools and everything and unless your tool is meant to be an analytics tool it's such a small it's not even a blip on your radar there's so many other yeah. things to do with your software other than build great analytics that we've actually talked to infusionsoft and they're like yeah we don't have any plan to ever do anything like this you go ahead so <laughs> there you go. Great opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So then, and then Summit Evergreen, how, how old is that? Does that sit somewhere in between? That's a, that's a good question. I believe it's two years old now. Okay. I think it'll be two years old in March was the official release date. Um, but that's, that's been growing very well as well. We have a lot of, you know, it's always fun when you get your first handful of customers that you have no idea where they came from. Uh, and we're getting, we've been getting that for about a year now, which is wonderful. That's like awesome. for a while, it was all people we know and very like referrals, uh, or people were promoting us and we knew, oh, this per- person came from this affiliate, but now we get a hundred percent organic leads. It surprises me how much it's growing. Like, Interesting. To be honest. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, I guess. That might be a good place to start. Give, give a little background. Where does that sit in the marketplace? So if, I see where your software for, for Infusionsoft does. You mentioned mm-hmm. Kajabi um, and Wishlist member, I believe. So, yeah. like, where does why why is this different? Why would I choose um, Summit Evergreen versus uh, some of the other stuff that's out there? So the the there's two camps of really online courseware, and one is the WordPress camp, where it's a plugin on top of WordPress, and then there are the self there are the we'll call them fully hosted ones like Kajabi or Udemy or Skillshare, uh, Skillshare I believe, and stuff like that, right? And the WordPress ones are good for people who are just starting out. Um, they have a lot of issues that people don't realize when they're starting because it's built on WordPress. So you get all the WordPress issues for free, right? Yep. <laughs> it's essentially yep. what it is, right? Um, so you need a good host. You need a host that's going to update WordPress. There's just a lot of maintenance that goes into that. Um, it's very good if you're starting your first product and just want to have something, some membership site to to have people come in, right? Yep. But 
where it falls down is when you have two products or three products or four products or you want to talk about lifetime value of customers, it gets really kind of hairy, right? Because it's hard to do multiple products. It's hard to get them all connected and related. It's hard to do analytics on how people are using your software, et cetera. And so that's where something that is custom made for membership sites, something like Kajabi and Summit Evergreen really, um, really shine. And the difference between us and Kajabi, I think, and we actually have an entire page called Alternative to Kajabi, which is our, I believe, our number two um, traffic generator on the site, which is pretty cool. Um, but the the main difference that we see is really with Kajabi, you're kind of locked into their way of doing things. And we originally tried that as well. And then we started having customers who were like, well, I use Infusionsoft. I want it to track their Infusionsoft. Or I use Entreport or Constant Contact or all these things that they wanted really deep integrations with. They really wanted to customize their their experience, right? And right. so Kajabi was trying to hit, I guess, mass market appeal, right? Which is smaller people who are not doing – they only have one or two products, maybe probably just one – they're not they don't care that much how it looks it can look very generic um as long as they can get it out there and start selling right and we're targeting people who have multiple products who i mean to be honest who know what they're doing right and so we have full customization you can completely customize your themes you can cut you can use whatever crm you use whatever checkout system you use etc we integrate with your existing sales process right because to our customers and our clients that was the number one thing that was important. They didn't want to redo their entire sales process just because they're switching uh, customer platforms. Mm, that's awesome um, and makes it really compelling. Um, and so I guess in that context then, uh, you guys uh, host it as well or is that uh, – Yeah, so we're – yeah, it's a complete SaaS. So you sign awesome. up. It's built on um, servers in the cloud, load balancing, bug fixes, all that fun stuff just right there, right? Was, was this part of the solution that you created for Remit? Uh, um, kind of, sort of. It was definitely inspired by it. Um, the code itself, the what we built is completely separate, and we actually had a different because I'm I'm very wary about that that kind of stuff because I want I want to protect my clients, I want to protect my customers. I'm always very um, I don't want to say gunshot. I'm very conscious of how the consulting influences product development, right? Mm -hmm. And so we actually hired a different company to build it all just because I didn't want a single connection to anything that we had done for Remit in the past. Yeah. Um, just because I, you know, I, I respect Remit. I can, I respect what he's doing from a business standpoint. And I can see someone saying, well, this looks exactly the same as what you built for me. Was I paying you to build a SaaS? And I, I wanted that to be very, very different. Um, and it was actually more of we had been contacted by other clients uh, after Remit to mm. build similar things, uh, and those we also built for scratch. So essentially, we had built the same system three or four times at that point uh, from scratch each time, and that was at the point where we were like, okay, we, we really need to turn this into a SaaS because I'm tired right. of building these things. And, and that's <laughs> what I meant I, in, in particular. Like, Was this like – um, was the the I guess the impetus to to build this thing from stemmed from client work? Yeah, yeah, both okay. of them. Yeah, both of the all the products that we've built have stemmed from client work, which is a great way 
to get that MVP and a great way to kind of validate that idea, right? And, and you're a developer, right? Yes. So yeah, I've been a developer for many years now. And so, yeah, so that, you know, that's here. So this, it's interesting. So yeah, it's kind of like, you know, uh, obviously the 37 signals type story. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just kind of scratching their own itch, so to speak, when they create their software and then the software kind of takes off and um, becomes kind of the focal point. Has that been the case for you? Yeah, it's not the focal point yet, uh, just because we have so many clients right now that it would, uh, at some point, the software will become the focal point. It's just not yet. Um, yeah. And we'll probably continue doing client work even after the sat, after the products eclipse it, only because a I love my clients and b I the ideas that I'm able to get from working with clients yep. are so valuable, right? Yeah. Like they come up with such difficult problems to solve, <laughs> yeah. and you know when when they have a difficult problem to solve that someone else will also have that problem, and and when you're running a product company, people will come to you with things that they think you can solve or questions that they have, but no one's going to come to you with the really, really hard problems that are key to their business unless you're a consultant. Yeah. You know, and so I guess this is interesting. So when you start out with all these, were you the, you know, lead developer? Did you develop these yourself? Um, How'd you go about actually building these, these uh, individual pieces of software? Yeah. So Summit Evergreen, like I said, we hired someone else Mm -hmm. uh, to start it. And then my, I and my team have taken over development for the last uh, year and a half, two years. And then Sigmetrics, we actually did as a challenge to ourselves. Uh, So myself and the team built it, uh, my team built it, and we built the first version in 40 hours. Jeez, nice. So, yeah, we had two weeks of, I think we had a week or two of downtime uh, between some, a lot of client work, and I said... Hey, we got some downtime. Let's, we've been wanting to get this out. Let's try it. And so we just went at this huge pace and hammered it down in about a week. That's awesome. So, I mean, I just, I think, uh, you know, this is one of the, I feel like if I had a superpower, I wish uh, I had, I, I could code and I could, mm. I could, I could start doing this because I feel like, um, you know, it's one of those kind of, kind of fortunate, um, you know, advantages you have to be able to one manage teams like when you hire them to build the software um, mm-hmm. and then two of course be able to to do it yourself or manage a team of other other programmers i'm curious um you know what are your thoughts on that like if that was instrumental or if you think that really that's just probably me just making excuses and and, and need to i need to find a technical co-founder it's a i think it's a grass is greener thing yeah. um i do like the fact that i can jump into any idea that anyone has and build out an mvp in about a week right awesome. i can Proof of concept, I can build that out in about a week. That's what we specialize in. The downside is I know I can do that, so I never think about whether I should or I never think about if that's the best use of my time. So what happens, and it's interesting, Rob Walling talks about this a lot as well. When you're a a technical founder or a technical co-founder, you like coding. You like programming. And so if you have a choice, you will work on the code because there's always code to work on. Because you have an excuse. You're like, oh, I can do it faster because I know exactly what needs to be done. And I'm just going to hop in for 10 minutes, an hour or whatever, right? You're not focusing on the business. Mm. When you're not technical, you don't have that excuse, right? You can focus on the business because that you can't do the technical stuff. You have to delegate that, which is what a, C- what a technical co-founder should also be doing once the product's built. They should be delegating it, right? But because they're so, I say they, me, <laughs> we're, so, we're so interested in it, 
we want to jump in and do that ourselves, even though we should be delegating it so we can work on bigger problems or marketing problems or any of the myriad other things that come up when you have a product, right? I completely agree. I mean, that well, conceptually, I agree. So I haven't gotten to that point yet where I'm like, when I, when I get my, I do eventually want to get my feet wet in software and mm-hmm. start doing that. Cause I'm like, I think there's a huge amount of value in there, but we, a lot of what we do is just kind of, um, creative agency type stuff right now. So it'll be interesting when, and if I ever transition to that. So then I'll have to get you back on the show to talk more about that in particular. But for right now, I'm curious about like kind of where you started and, and this idea of kind of setting up these evergreen sales funnels. Um, what is, what, what, I, I, I get the launch process. Uh, hmm. We do that a lot. Um, in fact, when we do the book launches, I mean, it's fundamentally the same thing, right? Yep. Uh, the product launch formula type thing. Um, m- automating book sales funnels is, you know, we put in, we try to put in those sales funnels too, to a degree and, and, and automate that as much as possible. But I'm curious, what are like, what are the main takeaways from creating an evergreen sales funnel? Like what, what goes into it? And I guess, how is it different than um, a big launch? Like how do you have to like think about it structurally? Um, to make it happen. So the the two core things, and it's interesting because some of the things that you need to think about are very similar to a standard launch formula, but you ha- there's much more, you have to think about it. And the main thing you have to think about is your performance measuring, right? Because when you have a launch, it's very easy at the end to say, okay, we had 20,000 new leads, we made $800,000, let's say, right? And that's a very easy number that you can say, at this point, we had X. At this point, at the end of launch, we had Y. There's our number, right? And that's not a great number because it's it's too high level. But yeah. at least it's a number and you have a general idea of how you did. When you have an evergreen funnel, it's very difficult to, to do that because people are coming in at all times. There's no start and end for you to really measure, right? The other, So you need to be able to measure a lot better than you do during a launch, right? Mm. It's no longer a nice to have, it's a it's a necessity if you want to improve that evergreen funnel and you want to make sure that you're making more than you're uh, spending. Right. Because there is an issue. So let, let's talk about kind of lead source and this gets a little bit in the weeds, but I think it's very important. Yeah, let's do so it. So when you have a launch or you have an evergreen funnel or you have any sales process, you have a lead source, right? You have somewhere where your leads are coming from and you want to know how much money those people are worth, right? So this is especially important when you're doing uh, Facebook ads or Google ads or something similar where, you know, Facebook ads cost you, let's say $5 to get an opt-in. Okay. Are you able to monetize that person beyond that $5? And that's the core of your entire business is how much does it cost to get an opt-in and how much money do they make you in the short term and the long term. So Facebook is really easy. It's really good about telling you the short term. I I believe the cookie is 30 days. So they can tell you your first purchase in 30 days, right? If you have it hooked up correctly, which sometimes it's not, sometimes it's much harder than it sounds, but ostensibly it can tell you that, right? Now, there's lots of problems with like cookies double firing and single firing and not firing, and it's it's a whole mess, but ostensibly you can tell that. The problem is the biggest value that people get out of their lists is recurring revenue, right, which is a customer purchasing again or or um, a subscription or something similar where the 
the bulk of the revenue does not come in that first 30 days. It comes a month later, two months later, three months later, et cetera. Right. So tracking that and understanding that on an evergreen funnel is much more important than a launch because it's not this huge event where you can have a start and end. You need to be able to say, okay, of all the people who came into my funnel in the last month from Facebook, I spent five, an average of five bucks to get a, a lead. How much were they worth after a month? Three bucks. Oh, crap, I'm losing money. But after two months, they were worth $20 mm. per person, right? I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, they're, that's the number I wanted. Yes, it takes a little longer, but we are able to monetize them, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of kicks off the whole thing. So then you can start diving it. And this, this is where I just start geeking out. And right. <laughs> you can dive in and you can say, okay, these emails are not performing as well as I thought they were. People are dropping out of the funnel here. People are having issues um, purchasing here, etc. Like in a launch, you really only get one chance. In an evergreen funnel, you have as many chances as you have time to send people through the funnel. So you can split test entirely different funnels and see if they perform better. You can split test different emails and see if they perform better. You can do price testing. You can do so much and and get significance because more and more traffic is coming in. So, okay, so now, and, and I guess this is where kind of the, te- the tech piece comes in. Um, at the end of the day, like, it's really tough to bootstrap that, isn't it? Like, you kind of need to invest in some good software, or, or what, what, are, what are the cheaper ways you could do that, or do that on the cheaper? Is that even possible? Yeah, it's, it's not a software thing. Um, I mean, the, of course, it's going to be, it is a software thing, but it's not necessarily, you have to invest, like, $10,000 in software. You have to understand how the evergreen funnel goes through and you have to understand and you have to plan it out that that's really the big thing you can have a very simple evergreen funnel that's just emails that doesn't need any technology behind it other than like infusionsoft or drip i love drip by the way um or something similar to that but if you want to go the next step yes you need some technology and most technology all hooks together so we recommend quizzes which you can Mm -hmm. use i believe it's called dialogger for that which works really well um, and that's great for, for initial opt-ins. Uh, we always recommend, um, evergreen webinars. So something like stealth seminar, easy webinar, which lets you, um, set up a webinar to recur on a certain day. So you send out emails that are like, Hey, check out my webinar on Tuesday. And you don't have to be on that webinar, but everyone, it's a countdown. It's got that scarcity feel and it's got a timer. So everyone feels that they're, they're part of the launch, right? And then the last one is expiring sales pages. So you have a sales page that has a special offer, like $100 off, $200 off, or this product is only available now kind of thing. And the technology issue is hooking that all together so that people get a single unified experience of, I go to the webinar, it says five days left on this offer. I go to the sales page, it also says five days left on this offer. Tomorrow, they all say four days left. And tying it together is the technically challenging part, right. but the the tools we use is all off the shelf. Like it's just, it's a way of thinking about it to understand that people are going through the funnel and just making sure they have the a solid experience all the way through. Awesome. I love it. What, uh, when you say think through it, like, I guess, what, how do you think through it differently in that context, like, uh, an evergreen funnel than you do uh, a launch? Like, I don't, and maybe that's too broad. Maybe it comes down to it's, it, it just depends on well, the, the product. The main, the main thing is at a launch, everything is timed 
because you're sending out a broadcast, right? Mm -hmm. So you need so for an evergreen, you need to look at how you tie it together so that you are tracking people through the whole thing with with regards to that time and with regards to what choices they make during the funnel, right? So a lot of times a launch is very linear, right? You get email one, you get email two, you get email three, and yep. then you email out the sales email. Right. Um, sometimes people do something a little bit different where they'll send out an email to people who haven't opened before. So we've sent out three video emails. They haven't opened up a single one. Let's send them a special email mm. or let's invite them to something special. So you can – it's very easy to do that when you're doing a launch because it's a broadcast, right? You just segment your list and you send it out. Yep. So how do you do that when it's automated? So you need to – plan in advance and say, okay, we're watching these people for these signals. And if we don't have the signal, then we branch off and do this thing. Right. Yeah. And that's where 90% of the evergreening process is all planning. Yeah. Like the, the hooking up, the better your plan is at first, the easier it is to hook up. Yeah. That's awesome. And how many of these have you set up? Would you say like oh dozens, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds, um, getting towards a thousand, I'm sure. Um, so you kind of look at this, I bet you kind of come at it from an angle where it's just like, you just understand this stuff as soon as you start. Yeah, it's, it and explaining it, it's always the expert's dilemma, right? Because sure. it comes second nature to me at this point. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, you just hook up a webinar and set it to an expiring timer that's hooked up to the sales page as well, and you track it all in Infusionsoft and just insert it into the emails. And people, and the first time I talk to a client, they just stare at me, and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, awesome. yeah, it's, it's really easy. It'll take about, about an hour. Like, <laughs> so... That's awesome. Well, except you don't say they say it'll take about a, it'll take about it'll three take, weeks. It'll take six and... weeks, six weeks. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, one of the things that we talk with our clients is the planning is the most time consuming part. Once it's planned, if it's planned well, the implementation really you can get, uh, since we also have all these tools we've built over the years, you can get a full implementation. I think our fastest launch, we set up an entire launch and evergreening process in 10 hours, I think. From zero, like customer contacted us, said, hey, on Friday, we need to launch this. It was Tuesday. And we said, OK. And so about 10 hours later, we had everything ready. OK, so my question is, where do I get <laughs> like, have you created like a book on this subject that I can read and, and learn everything you've you've as much as I can? Or do you have any resources that somebody can come to you and telling, learn this people stuff? People keep telling me I need to put this book out. I haven't yet just because I'm so yeah. busy with client stuff. It's like, okay. It's that thing that is always sitting there that I want to get out more than anything, and but I'm too busy building evergreen funnels for other people. Right? You need to publish through Insurgent Publishing, and we need to get that <laughs> book out there. <laughs> I, I say, if there if there was a way to get the, and I know there are ways to to get the book out there mm. without while still supporting all the client work yeah. and everything else I do, I would totally be on that. Like it's something I really want to do. People keep hitting me over the head for not doing it. Essentially, uh, it's just it's just one of those things, right? Yeah, it sounds like uh, such an important thing. That's that's awesome. Well, I'll definitely I'll nag you about it and see what. <laughs> Thank you. I can maybe, That'd be awesome. See what I can do to get it out of you because I think that would be is so powerful. Um, do you do you do any blogging and, and share any of these insights anywhere else? Like, because I'm curious. I feel like we we've barely scratched the surface with any of this. I'm just curious if there's more knowledge that people can get from you anywhere else on the web. It's interesting. The podcasts are actually my number one way of getting that information. I'm working right now on getting a lot more of this out. I've set up some um, uh, some blogging stuff. I, getting the eight hours to write a blog post is so difficult for me. Yep. Right. 
And so I've started doing working with companies kind of like um, Audience Ops or the one I'm working with is um, Flux Marketing and to do essentially interview style to get out uh, blog content. So I do an, I do a one hour interview once a week or once every other week and that turns into three or four blog posts. So that's what I've been trying to, I've been doing that with uh, Summit and Segmetrics for those blogs and then I've been trying to get that off the ground for my stuff as well and I found it works really well. Awesome. Works, yeah, it's really an easy way to get the content out there as well as make sure that it's still your content because that's the, that's the hardest problem when you're working with like copywriters and especially copywriters from uh, online services where suddenly they're the ones writing it, not you. And so it doesn't have your voice. It doesn't have any of the ideas. It doesn't agree with what you think, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Those, those are definitely challenges for sure. But I, I, I I'm going to dig into more of your stuff where I can find it and we'll make sure we link up everything we can in the show notes here. Um, I guess one last blast uh, or plug for, for your work. Where, where's the best place to us uh, to send people to find out more about you and, and connect with you? Yeah, so definitely summitevergreen.com, segmetrics.io, and my personal site is keithperhack.com. Um, and actually, if you just search for Keith Perhack on Google, I am apparently the only Keith Perhack in the world. So <laughs> all of my stuff comes up, even stuff that I, I really wish would not come up, and I've been trying to kill it with fire as much as humanly possible. Nice. There, there are still blog posts from my first, or there's still like RPG um, posts from my first company back in 2000. God, when was that? One, two? What was it? I'm just curious. Yeah, so we did online, or we did role-playing games okay. uh, for eBooks. So oh, we, nice. Yeah, but which would be awesome now. Right. That would be now that the iPad exists and like all these digital <laughs> things. PDF had just come out when we when we built this technology. Um, so there were like Blackberries and PDAs. And we were like, oh, yeah, you should totally have digital books now. <laughs> it was so funny. great idea. Horribly timed. Absolutely. Hey, you know what? Time. Sounds like you had a full recovery with the stuff you're working on. So that's yeah, good. Definitely, definitely. Awesome, Keith. Well, hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And I'll make sure that uh, everybody gets sent your way and anybody interested in learning how to kind of create these evergreen sales funnels, um, check great. out Thanks. Keith's work. It looks fantastic, man. All right. Thanks for having me, man. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you'd like to check out the show notes, just head over to tommorcus.com slash podcast, where you'll find the latest broadcast. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's the fastest, simplest, easiest way to support my creative work, and it would really mean a lot to me. As always, this is Tom Marcus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance.